And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 194 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but 194 hits allowed by Tim Lincecum in 2010 and Madison Bumgarner in 2014. That's not bad. Wow. Tim Lincecum gave up 194 hits in a season? 194 hits in 212 innings. So uh, it's a pretty good year, though. That was like the beginning of like he's not as dominant that he didn't win the Cy Young that year. But uh, still a pretty good year overall for everyone involved. Yeah, I thought you were going to say 194 was degrees on the field at Truist Park in Atlanta today because it just about felt that way. That was my next question. How is it in Atlanta? It's steamy. It's steamy. (laughs) It's kind of... Kind of soggy. It's, um, you know, the humidity, I've been here when the humidity has been worse, where you really feel like um, you're just in an absolute sauna. But, um, you know, if you're in the shade, I'll tell you what, you know, one thing that's nice, living in the Bay Area where I have lovely outdoor furniture that I never use at night because it's always windy and it's always cold and the space heater will do no good because the wind will just whisk it away. It is really nice when it's a warm day and it cools off a little at night. My hotel is about maybe a half hour walk from the ballpark. And I didn't really even think about walking it because it's so hot. Um, but the other day, I couldn't get um, a, a Lyft or an Uber because um, I left the ballpark so late. And I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll just walk, I guess. And I enjoyed it so much that I've walked back every night because it's just yeah. so pleasant at night. It's really nice. And so um, uh, that, that being said, I'll, I'll be glad to get home. All right. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fly home. Don't try and walk home. That would, well, it'd make for an interesting podcast, but I think it'd be a very different kind of podcast. Um, but, okay, so now we got to actually talk about the Giants. And we haven't talked in a while. Since the last time we've talked, the Giants have been a Johnny Walkoff seed. They've been sprinkling walk-offs all across this country of ours. And they've been losing really, really, really tough games. I don't think you, you need to hang your head over losing a series, a four-game series in Atlanta. Tough conditions, good team. It just seems like every loss is a different kind of variation on a knife twist. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. When you get to the end of a road trip or the end of a series, you usually ask the manager, you know, those sort of perspective questions. And that's where Gabe Kapler really is not very helpful generally. Mm-hmm. He's very much focused on one game or I didn't have time to think about that or what this series means, etc. So I asked him the question a little bit differently. I said, you know, when you play close games... 
you learn a lot about your roster. You learn about a lot about your team and, and what people are capable of and, and where you might have coverage or lack coverage or be a little deficient or be a little better. So I said, you know, playing this really good Braves team for four games, all three losses were decided by one run. The win was 12 to 10. It was back and forth. Two of the wins for Atlanta were walk-offs. You know, what did you learn about your team? And then he actually gave some really good perspective. He said, um, you know, it, it does seem like we're just one base advance away or one pitch away. And it, it's not one of those where you take solace in coming so close. It's not like, oh, we're right there. For him, he's disappointed regardless. But it is kind of instructive into you know, seeing where this team needs to be a little bit better. And um, you could point to a lot of different things over this four-game series. Or you could point to a lot of things the Braves did that the Giants really aren't equipped to do when it comes to taking an extra base or or what have you, or being able to hit the ball out of the ballpark. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought it was a really interesting series to learn a lot about where these two teams are. And let's face it, the, the, the Giants are doing themselves no favors by the fact they're coming to Atlanta and playing the Braves when the Braves are basically playing their best baseball of the season. I mean, they've won, I think, uh, what, like 19 of their last 21 or 22. So, yeah, it's uh, that, that obviously made this a tough assignment for them. Uh, it is a very wise baseball scribe that once told me, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. Do you remember who that was? Was it me? It was you. That's one. Uh, that's, one that's, <laughs> that's a bagism. That is a bagism. And it's it a good is. one because if you play the Braves earlier in the year, uh, they were they were acting like a couple of bumbleheads out there. Like they just weren't playing very well. And now they're, they're like a fully formed Death Star. And that's just a tough team. When they're rolling like that, when they've got the their starting pitchers going when they've got their power going it's a tough team in general it's it's going to be a tough team in atlanta when it's a billion degrees uh and for the giants i don't want there to be a consolation prize but for the giants to make it that close i don't know it could have been just absolutely uh they could have been obliterated in three out of the ga four games and that would have felt a lot differently this close not so bad you watch the braves and giants in this series and you think well atlanta's a better team i mean they just mm. they, they have more going for them uh they have just as much in the rotation and maybe a little bit more um you know the bullpen maybe is, is a bit of a push uh, and both teams had some slip-ups in the bullpen obviously in this series but you look at that lineup top to bottom you look at some of the plays they're able to make it on defense some of the extra bases they took that, that made a huge difference and you think this is just a better team and yet it almost uh, on paper it's the same way. I mean, the Braves I think were second in the majors with a 440 slugging percentage. The Giants are like you know 14th or 13th down the list at 400, and yet the Giants were scoring more runs per game uh, entering this series than the Braves were, and, uh, and and still are because the Braves only outscored them by one run in in, in four games in total. So you, you do kind of wonder how the Giants are, are doing it, um, but. Uh, uh, it, mostly it's by just drawing a lot of walks and, and by being opportunistic. But yeah, when, when you look at it on paper in terms of like team slugging percentage, it, it looks like the Braves should just be destroying a team like the Giants. And it's it just is interesting how this Giants team keeps kind of challenging my perceptions over and over again. I think it does speak to, we are used to the term station to station base running as being a, a negative, an overall negative. And there is something to that. It, being a station to station baseball team uh, isn't ideal. It's not how you're trying to build a roster. 
but it's still good to have the station, if you know what I mean. Like, it's still good to have base runners. It's still good to have uh, batters who can t- tease a lot of pitches out of a pitcher, get into the bullpen early. And the Giants are doing that. It is frustrating when they have a runner on second. They can't get him home with a single. There are these little things, not taking the extra base, not going first to third. But they're they're still getting base runners. You saw it today. We're recording this on Thursday. And the Giants had a lot of hits against Kyle Wright. They didn't necessarily score all of them, and that's the station-to-station part, but it's still a good thing that they can get hits, string hits together, uh, get some walks, and hit for a little bit of power. They're just maybe not as effective as the Braves right now, but there's still some good bones there. Yeah, they were also Johnny um, GIDP seed. Uh, <laughs> they Jeez, sprinkled yes. one <laughs> in each of the first four innings, which, which obviously didn't help things. Um, but you know, I, I just love your your nuts and bolts analysis of hey, let's let's separate fact from fiction um, of the Giants' offense that you posted a few days ago. And you know, one of the things you mentioned was hey, yeah, they've been terrible with the bases loaded and nobody out. I mean, they've got like what one hit and fourteen at bats all season, and that was a, a squibber. Um, and you're frustrated by that. You think, oh no, they're going to you know minimize this inning, and yet they're, they're scoring the same amount of expected runs per inning that, or, or at least in the ballpark, that you would uh, when you start an inning with that situation. And I think that boils down to when you get a lot of base runners, you know, you're you're going to give yourself as long as you don't hit into a double play, you're going to give yourself three chances with the bases loaded, not just one. And, and you know they're they're taking advantage of that eventually, and maybe they're not hitting grand slams and not having seven run innings or anything like that. But you're right. I mean, they they get a lot of base runners, and I think that just sort of eventually does lead to just more runs, even if they're not hitting the cover off the ball. It just seems like the giant. Oh, I don't know. It's it's a, a definite bias, uh, confirmation bias that fans have. All baseball fans have, no matter if your team's up or down. Oh, we can't get that runner in from third with nobody out. Uh, We can't get, uh, when it's bases loaded, nobody out. Here we go again. The Giants, almost every statistic, whether it's two outs, runners in scoring position, whether it's uh, just runners in scoring position in general with the bases loaded, they're hitting better than they are with the bases empty. They're hitting better with uh, any runners on than they are with the bases empty. They are hitting, uh, coming into today, almost 300, no, 301 with the bases loaded. They, they're doing work with runners on base. Maybe they could be scoring more runs if they had more team speed. But if you're looking for how the Giants are scoring more runs per game than a team like the Braves or are comparable in runs per game to a team like the Braves, a lot of that has to do with they're doing good work with runners on base. And that doesn't like that. It's not a red flag. Uh, but it doesn't have to continue just because they've done it to this point in the season. You you might want to start hitting for some more power. You might want to start going, uh, taking the extra base more. But a lot of what they're doing, a lot of the reasons why they're over 500 right now is because they're doing good work with runners on base. Yeah, and, and you do tend to focus on the negative. It's only natural when, you know, the first inning, they get four ground balls in a row. One is a single that gets through. One is a single that gets through. One is another single that gets through. And hold on, Wilmer Flores, don't get too frisky. <laughs> you, we are not going to send you home. You're not going to go past third base. And then the fourth ground ball is a ground ball double play. So, I mean, yeah, th- there have been a few instances, I think, on this trip where they held someone at third base. And one of them was Tyro Estrada. is actually one of their faster guys. Uh, but this is just a slow team. They're the slowest team in the majors. It doesn't necessarily doom them to being a terrible offensive team. The Yankees are the second slowest team in the majors, and they are scoring the most runs in Major League Baseball. It helps to have an Aaron Judge on your side. <laughs> Mental note, he's a free agent. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it, it does seem maddening when you know they're not able to make a play that another team can't. You know whether it's Austin Slater um, having a little bit of a brain fart and Marcelo Zuna tagging up from first base on a deep fly ball uh, that made a huge impact on that game. If he's out, it's two outs, bases empty in the ninth inning, and the Braves are trailing. Um, you know, or, or um, you know being able to have their catcher. Uh, steal a base to stay out of a double play when a count gets to 3-2 because an umpire blew a call. So, um, you know, the Braves did a lot of those small things that you know, the Giants, how many Giants players would be able to tag uh, from first base on a deep fly ball to center field? Not many of them. Probably only the guy who made the catch in center field for the Giants, Austin Slater. So, um, yeah, that's when you look at things and you think, well, gosh, you know, are they really equipped to, to – uh, to hang with these uh, contenders in the National League when they don't do these things right. But they do a lot of other things way better than anybody else does, including controlling the strike zone. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it'll be interesting just to see how those things balance out as the year goes on. That's been one of the more frustrating parts for Giants fans. And it's frustrating for me as a writer trying to find new angles in, in, in all this. It's because I don't think the Giants can do anything about team speed. It is just... It is what it is. And I hate that saying, but sometimes, darn it, it applies... And there's just no roster shuffling. There's no three-card Monty you can play where all of a sudden you have good team speed and a team that can get runners on base. It's one or the other. It is you have competent offensive players or you have a, a handful of them that are a little bit sluggish. And it's the same with the bullpen. The Giants don't have a lot of wiggle room with this bullpen. And so for all the fans who are really frustrated with Jake McGee and Tyler Rogers. I don't think there's another answer other than they have to pitch better and prevent runs better, which if you look at the underlying metrics, I, I kind of agree with the Giants. I think there is more to get out of McGee. I think he's looked good since he's come back off the IL. I think that Tyler Rogers, we all know about that one inning. He might not be as effective as he was last year. Still seems effective enough to me. I just There's just not a lot to do. It's just play better. And that, that's not a satisfying answer. I just don't know if there's another one. Yeah, with McGee, the early numbers obviously warp his ERA, and he's been a lot better since he came back from the IL. He's got that that spin back at the top of the zone again. And, and I mean, Marcelo Zuna hit a slider that was, you know, basically off the ankles. And, and uh, the Braves just had some really good at-bats against him. I, I think Jake McGee's going to be okay. Um, and I wouldn't have thought that, you know, before he went – on the aisle or before he came back from the aisle. With Rodgers, uh, I think he's got an ERA barely over three when you take out that one horrid inning, uh, which was just the worst batted ball luck you can possibly have, a seven-run inning earlier this year. But you know, that said, he hasn't been as good as last year, and we've seen some some more elevated contact against him uh, lately on this road trip. You know, Obviously gave up a walk-off homer in Pittsburgh, uh, which is, by the way, the third walk-off, four losses on this trip, and uh, and three of them were uh, walk-off losses. Um, and, and then there was the, the game-winning hit that uh, Adam Duvall got, which was a, a pretty good line drive um, the other day as well. So, you know, I asked Gabe Kapler about it, and he acknowledged, yeah, it's there's been a little more elevated contact lately, and they're going to have to go back to the drawing board a little bit and uh, and maybe see if they need to make a wrinkle in terms of his pitch mix or or sequencing. Uh, because there's been a little bit more success against him this year. So um, that, that is something I think that bears watching. I don't think they're at the point where they would take him out of a, a, a leverage role or a setup role. I think they really believe in him still. But, um, but yeah, it, it is. I think it is something to acknowledge that he isn't quite getting 
as of late, the kind of contact that he was getting earlier in the season. He is just such a unique pitcher. It's so hard to, there's no comparison for him. There is no, uh, well, this reminds me of this. It's He's the only Tyler Rogers. And it makes me wonder if, you know, we all know about the third time through the order penalty where a starting pitcher, the third time he's through an order, the, the hitters start to see him well. I wonder if there's a third time through the league penalty for a guy like Rogers, where the first time you see him is, what is this guy? Where is he? Is this ball coming out of his nose? Like his shoe tops? I don't understand. And then the more you've seen him over the last couple of years, maybe you start to guess a little bit better. I don't know. It just seems like there. I don't take anything for granted one way or the other for Rogers. He's just such a weird pitcher to evaluate. And I have to assume he's he's hard for the Giants to evaluate as smart as they are. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, we've, we've written about how it's tough to figure out where to play behind him because the batted ball contact has so, such randomness to it. The more more data they get, the, the more noise they get. They don't get any clarity. It's the other <laughs> way around, which is just, I mean, that's just bizarre. You always think the more data you get, the more things stabilize, the more you have answers that reveal themselves. And with him, the spray chart is just like, you know, a plate of spaghetti. It's like, it just makes no sense. <laughs> so, so you know, that's, uh, it, it makes him one of the most interesting pitchers in baseball. And But when he's he's struggling, you know, it's very easy to say, ah, he throws 81, you know, get rid of this guy. I, I think that would be obviously a mistake, and, and uh, I think he's going to still have a big part to play on this team. But um, but one guy who will not have a part to play in the organization that we should probably talk about briefly is Steven Duggar. And the Giants traded him to the Texas Rangers today uh, for Willie Calhoun, uh, who's going to go to AAA. He'd been designated and outrighted uh, earlier this month, um, a guy that Gabe Kapler know, knows well from when uh, Calhoun was a top prospect in the Dodgers system. Kapler was the farm director. Obviously, Farhan Zaidi was the GM that traded him to the Texas Rangers in the deal that got the Dodgers uh, a rental of you Darvish. So what did you think of the deal and um, what do you like or not like about it? It caught me not by surprise because I knew that they had to do, they were going to have a roster crunch, that there was going to be something that they had to do. And I, I didn't think there was a spot for him on the major league roster, especially once Luis Gonzalez got going. Um, but it's it still... The idea of he was the one guy you knew could play a plus center field. He wasn't vintage Kevin Kiermaier out there. He wasn't going to win a gold glove, but he was their truest of true center fielders. So that surprised me just a little bit. Uh, but overall, I think he's going to a great place for him. He's going to be able to roam globe life, uh, as you know, and he's going to, to pick a lot of balls out there. The, the Rangers have an acute need in the majors, so he's going to get some time with the Rangers. I think it's good for him. Uh, Willie Calhoun interests me a whole heck of a lot, uh, just because when he struggled, it's not like he's striking out and racking up all these whiffs. He's, uh, he's got some good plate discipline and, I don't know. I think it makes sense for me as a procedural move. Uh, what did you think about it? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure what the Rangers will do with Duggar. They've got Laoti Tavares they called up. Um, so uh, they like him a lot. But Duggar does have that option so they can bring him up and down. And you'd say, well, if, if Duggar has a minor league option, why why do the Giants not just recall him from his um, from his uh, uh, injury injury rehab stint and, and just, just option him back to Sacramento? And the answer is, uh, they would have had to put him back on the 40-man as well because he was on the 60-day injured list. And that would mean sacrificing somebody else who's on the 40-man. And that's that's hard to do. It's hard to do when you have so many left-handed hitting outfielders already uh, on the roster. I think the even though Luis Gonzalez just hit the injured list himself today with the lower back strain, 
um, his sort of uh, emergence. Just put one more player in front of Duggar on the depth chart, and and that was going to make it tough for them to carry so many left-handed hitting outfielders in the 40-man. Uh, so, you know, I, I get it. They get another player now in Calhoun who doesn't have that 40-man need, and um, and he's a guy that is still 27. Um, he, he makes good swing decisions. Strikeout-to-walk ratio is, is excellent. You know, I talked to Jock Peterson, and they obviously um, – cross pass a little bit in the Dodgers system, even though Jock was already up by the time Calhoun was really a top prospect, but said, look, this guy's got really some elite skills and he's only 27. So, you know, in a way, maybe, you know, this is another of the Mike Yastrzemski type, you know, Alex Dickerson type players who just hasn't been able to put it together, hasn't had the opportunity, but still has some underlying skills that, that should translate pretty well. So, um, and they've got time. They've, there's there's no there's no rush. They can take their time with him at AAA. And yeah, he's another left-handed hitting outfielder. So the the depth chart is just as sort of daunting for him uh, as it would be for Duggar. But you know they, they don't have to make a move with him like like they did with Duggar. So uh, in terms of inventory, it makes sense. And and they they get a player that they have some history with um, and, and and they like. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see just uh, what the box scores look like from day to day in Sacramento. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I am in the middle of writing about the Giants in center field in what their depth is right now. And if you go into the upper minors, the most realistic, pretty much the only realistic uh, guy that they can play in center field uh, other than Elliot Ramos would be Bryce Johnson. He's not in the 40 man. I wouldn't expect them to need uh, Bryce Johnson at any point this year. And so I was wondering what that meant for the Giants. And I'm thinking, well, is it just that they don't value center field defense? And I think I'm coming around to the idea that Austin Slater's pretty good out there, and, and Yastrzemski is pretty good. I know we've, I've at least couched my uh, evaluation of them defensively as they're okay out there. They're not going to hurt you out there. They're, they're fine out there. But the more I look at the underlying metrics, the more I look with the eyeball test, I think they're pretty good out there. When the Giants have defensive foibles, usually it's not center field. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, you know, Slater's arm accuracy has not wowed anyone lately um had a couple chances to to record some outs uh, with some what well, would have been outstanding plays don't get me wrong um, but uh you know couldn't make throws that were really on target uh the other day and and that that that's an ongoing issue where you look at it and you think okay well that's not exactly a plus and if I'm a third base coach I I kind of know that uh but but I agree you see him uh, run balls down uh in terms of the the analytics uh they have you know the like burst speed is the first uh three seconds after the ball is hit, you know, there's reaction time. 
Slater grades out very, very high on all of those. And, um, and you can tell he gets really good reactions and then he gets really, really good sort of burst speed. Um, you know, he gets from zero to 60 or whatever the equivalent would be uh, pretty quickly. So, and, and there aren't many guys in the league who are better at it. So he's, I, for a guy who came up as, as kind of a utility player and, and mostly an infielder who played on the dirt, uh, it's it's really been uh, pretty impressive to see how he's turned himself into somebody who can cover as much ground as he can in center field and um, and yeah obviously with with Gonzalez out they they started him against a right-handed pitcher here on Thursday um, but uh, but yeah I, I agree I do think one other factor is moving in the fences um, in San Francisco and making it go from 400 plus to 390. That makes it a lot easier to play center field. I mean, it's not an easy center field, but it, it's probably one of the easier ones in the majors um, because you can play a little bit deeper and, and not worry about being able to go back on a ball. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's it's that probably factors in a little bit too. Yeah, it's not – you don't have Willie Mays going back 440 feet in the polo grounds or whatever. It's, it's a little bit more playable. And if you have a good right fielder uh, in triples alley – and it depends on if it's going to be Mike Yastrzemski out there or Luis Gonzalez. That helps out a lot, too. I just it's funny to think about. I'm sure there's some dumb blog post that I wrote in 2017 about uh, why. Tr why not try Austin Slater at second base or, you know, he's he has played all over. I just I don't remember. I, I feel like there's a Mandela effect for Austin Slater's athleticism. I just I'm not sure when I got used to the idea that he's just this really fast, athletic, strong baseball player. I just remember him as being a, a slight, uh, I don't know, just a just kind of an average at everything baseball player. Do, am I? Is there a Mandela effect going on here? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you have to explain to me what that is. Is that Nelson Mandela or is that the like the Indian Circle thing? It's it's it is Nelson Mandela. It's an effect. I. It's a good Wikipedia rabbit hole to go down. Uh, it's where there's a lot of people who are convinced that he died in prison and that all of a sudden reality split. Now there are two realities. There are people. The other uh, the other example is the Berenstein Bears. Well, they're actually the Berenstain Bears. And people say, no, no, that's wrong. You know, reality, it's, it's weird. It's a weird rabbit hole. So I apologize if you don't know the reference. Uh, but at one point, Austin Slater became super athletic to me. And uh, I just don't remember him coming up and that being the draft report on him. I think I have that. That uh, I got that one from uh, Scholastic in the third grade from one of the the, uh, the book days. It was Berenstain Bears, Nelson Mandela, and the Strange, Strange Rabbit Hole. I believe that was on the cover. Yeah, I remember the cover illustration now. Yes. Oh, Indeed. absolutely. People, Someone just tweeted at me that they had the Mandela effect because they realized after years that my name is actually Grant Brisby and not Grant Bisby. And I think I'm just going to let them twist because I get that a lot. I have a collection of press credentials with Grant Bisbee on it. And I, I'm proud of it. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got uh, quite a few as well. Uh, and my first boss, uh, his name was Paul Oberjerke, and it was spelled O-B-E-R-J-U-E-R-G-E. And he had a collection. His whole wall of his office was filled of misspelled press credentials. And some of them would just make you laugh out loud, like Ober Jerk and stuff like that. So uh, I always think of him when I, whenever I get a press credential that, that's uh, where my name's mangled a little bit. Oh, that is outstanding. That is outstanding. Uh, well, the Giants are coming home now. They've got, oh boy, the Reds. Oh, that's going to be a narrative series. What can we series. talk about with the oh, Reds? What a narrative series. <laughs> 
Yeah. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? I guess we got to cover it. Well, yeah. And and we did talk to Jock Peterson prior to Thursday's game here. And, you know, I asked him, I said, look, are you thinking there's going to be warnings here? Are you, are you going to tell your pitchers, hey, dude, don't go out and be a hero for me? Because this is obviously, do we need to get in the backstory on this? This is going to be the first time that the Giants faced Tommy Pham since um, he was pulled off the field, you know, the day he slapped uh, Jock Peterson across the face because of, we know fantasy football, and and then MLB suspended him for the rest of the series. So um, this will be the first time that fam will be on the field. First time the fans uh, have a chance to you know tell him what they think about him. Uh, first time that the Giants pitchers will face him, and 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 Jock is like, look, we have good fans, we have classy fans. Don't throw anything. Um, you know, yell, what's the matter with Tommy? He's a bum, just like they yelled at, at Jock all those years that he was a Dodger out there, but. But keep it classy, you know. Don't don't distract from what from, from the game, and that was his uh, his plea. And and he said, you know, as far as he can, knows, all of his pitchers are moved have moved on from it. And you know, I, I think he's tried to de-escalate this thing as much as he's kind of played it tongue in cheek a little bit, and hasn't played the aggrieved victim, but has played just like you know, bought into the nonsense of why Tommy Pham is upset, um, showing all of his. <laughs> the gif he sent making fun of the Padres, et cetera, et cetera, from this text thread. Um, but it has. It's been a story that, you know, people have uh, been very, very um, kind of into or or, or 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 not. I've actually seen a lot of feedback from people that are like, let this die. This is stupid. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's kind of funny to hear about, you know, how bad a, a, a weak executive uh, commissioner um, Mike Trout is or the fact that Alex Bregman won this league and how much money is at stake. But I mean, when you boil it down to it, there was a like a criminal assault that happened between two guys. And, um, uh, you know, I think from the Giants perspective, it's really no laughing matter. And the last thing they want this thing to do is escalate it all. We know that Tommy Pham is absolutely um, somebody who has a little bit of a reactive uh, nature to him. So I just think they don't want to do anything that will possibly set him off because they just want cooler heads to prevail. At this point, and, and generally, the cooler head does not belong to Tommy's fam. So, um, so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting, and 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 probably nothing will happen, and it'll blow over, and 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 this will stop being a story. But, but until that until that happens, until they line up, um, yeah, it, it'll be talked about. It feels like one of those stories, uh, like. I don't know. You're, it sounds exciting at first, and it's funny at first. It's, oh, fantasy baseball beef results in a slap, and now oh, you got jokes and you got thoughts, and it's kind of funny. It, it's almost like when Will Ferrell played for ten minor league teams in one day, and like at the first couple of teams, you're all like, yeah, and then by the tenth helicopter landing, or whatever, it's like, all oh, right, this is just a stunt. Uh, this is not funny anymore. This, I, I'm trying to think of a better example than that, but it feels like the expiration date on this has passed. So I'm hoping that it's what's the matter with Tommy and not, I don't know, like a Lucille bobblehead raining down from left field bleachers. I, I, I think I have faith in Giants fans that this will uh, be hearty booze in very little more. Yeah. And, you know, like, like Jock Peterson said, you hit a guy. You put them on base. You know that that's that's doesn't help our cause when we're trying to win games. And if there's any series that shows you that a little thing can make a difference, it's the one they just played. You know where they lost three one-run games, and 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 every loss on their road trip was uh, was a one-run loss. And and actually, just looking at the numbers, um, they're nine and fourteen in one-run games. They it's been thirty-four percent of their games have been one-run games, and they're nine and fourteen in the last year. Uh, 29.6% of their games were one run games and uh, they were 31 and 17. They had the best winning percentage 
in one run games at the best winning percentage period. But, um, you know, it, it is, it just goes to show you that, you know, this is not a team that's played over its head. Um, it's not a team that's got the magic of, of last year going for it. Um, and, you know, when they play close games, um, you know, they lately they've been on the wrong side of them. And so they don't want to do anything that could possibly, you know, make a slim difference. I think the difference when you say one run games, the difference to me is do you have a shutdown bullpen of shutdown bullpens? Right now, the Giants don't. Uh, if they want to have that record with one, with one run games, it's going to be Jake McGee, Tyler Rogers. Going, going back to that, but I think that right now is the difference between the Giants of this year and the Giants of last year. Yeah, I would agree. I, Thursday's game obviously is is a little bit of a strays from that narrative just because Alex Wood put them in such a big hole early and they had to like race back and, and almost got uh, you know the tying run to the plate there in the ninth and, and finished uh, you know with a 7-6 loss where they kind of rallied back and came up just short. But for the most part, I, I, I totally agree. I think that uh, it, it really is a reflection more than anything on your bullpen on the strength of your bullpen, and um, and the, this year's bullpen has not been as good as last year's this far. So uh, has the potential to be, I think. But um, you know, yeah, they, they've got the Reds, and then we've got what the Detroit Tigers coming in, and um, and then the Chicago White Sox who haven't been playing super well. So this is a good opportunity, I think, this homestand for the Giants. And oh, I have to share one thing. Uh, so the Tigers, as you may know, Wilmer Flores has a brother. And his brother pitches for the Tigers. He's really pitching very well for the Tigers double A team. And um, I was talking to Wilmer the other day about, you know, when he took Camilo Duvall aside after Duvall threw his glove. And I said, what do you tell him? And he said, well, I don't tell him anything about pitching because I don't know anything about pitching. (laughs) And I said, well, sure. If he wants to know about pitching, he should go talk to the other Wilmer Flores. And <laughs> and that got a laugh out of him. But uh, I do look forward to the day that, that Wilmer Flores, the pitcher, because they both are named Wilmer, uh, is in the big leagues and he gets to face Wilmer Flores, the batter. Uh, that will be a crowning moment in baseball history. And I, for one, hope I'm there to see it. I'm seeing double for Wilmer's Flores. Wilmer's Flores's. <laughs> Flori. Florid. Uh, uh, yeah, flor- Flori. Flori. I think it's Flori. Flores's. Yeah, Florid. Flori's. Flores's. A bouquet. A bouquet of Wilmers. (laughs) All right. This has been episode 194 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We will be back on Monday. I do believe that we have schedule weirdness uh, behind us. So we will be back on Monday to see what the Giants did against the Reds to see if there is a fantasy hockey beef. I don't know. Could be possible. We will see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 